Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are on to the third and fourth round in a high-stakes $555 DraftKings NFL best ball draft, a million dollars to first place. We started this team with Tyreek Hill, luckily, at the 108 and came back with Garrett Wilson in the second round. And now we're going to make our third round pick and our fourth round pick and see if we can build upon this monster of a team and try to take down $1 million. All right, we are back here. The Spike Week gang drafts a million-dollar high-stakes best ball team. As I mentioned in the intro, we're drafting in the DraftKings $555 Millie Maker. If you want to get all the nuts and bolts and details about that tournament, we covered that in the first video where we made our rounds one and round two selections. And today, we're going to dive right into the third round. We are on the clock, or kind of on the clock, at the... The 308, having started again with Tyreek Hill and Garrett Wilson. We're in this late, the, the, the late third can always be a very interesting spot in drafts. Um, uh, so let, let's kick it right on over to Silas if you want to run down who was on the clock for just for a little behind the scenes for everyone. We have actually made this third round selection all, already. So we're going to kind of retroactively go through and talk through how we landed upon this person in the third round. Silas, if you want to kind of run through who was available there for us at the 308 and then we can figure out how we landed on this player. Yeah, so I think all of us were pretty much hoping and praying that T Higgins would fall to us at the 38. Um, he did actually make it to the 3-7 and got snap-picked by the guy with Mahomes uh, as a bringback. Um, so the three main options that we were thinking about were Ramondre Stevenson, DK Metcalf, and Eric brought in Brees Hall pretty late. Um, I know Trev and uh, Bernie and I were, were talking between DK and, and Ramondre because we both kind of feel like those three are, are the last of each tier. Um, you know, the, the wide receivers kind of have a lot of question marks after you get past DK, um, where Keenan Allen has age concerns. Calvin Ridley hasn't played in a couple of years. DeAndre Hopkins obviously is not on a team. Um, Jerry Judy has injury concerns. And then Amari Cooper is every other year. And last year was his boom year. So this year <laughs> could only go down. Right. Um, and then Ramondre has the pass catching upside um, and potential three down uh, workhorse capability. Um, but the Patriots have kind of been surrounded by like 
have been in discussions for bringing in a veteran. Um, so there is a little bit of concern there. Um, and that's kind of why I think we decided to move towards Greece. We, we went towards just pick the, the best available player in terms of talent. Um, you know, we obviously think the Jets are going for it since they signed Rodgers. Um, and if Brees can be healthy week one, like he has a chance to literally be a first round pick next year. Trev, what were you kind of thinking as I know we've all kind of discussed this a little bit and Silas hit on a lot of the things, but particularly I do think uh, it really did come down to DK Metcalf, Ramondre Stevenson and Brees Hall for us here at the 308. So just kind of talk through how you're thinking about those guys, uh, particularly as it pertains to this this team in this tournament. Yeah, um, I was definitely leaning running back there. I was uh, at first I was a little Ramondre over Brees just. I know uh, I brought up Brees last time and Silas was a little anti. So I was like, it, it's pretty close for me. So I'm fine with Ramondre. Uh, I just, I know at the next turn that I don't like the running backs, the Miles Sanders, Damian Pierce tier. And we started with two receivers. So I was thinking like at the end of a tier right here. But I think especially on DraftKings where you do have those two extra roster spots and we can really bolster our Brees Hall team. You know, he can be our anchor and we can say, all right, we have those two picks at the end. Let's just get two more running backs and hope that they can carry us if he's not healthy to start the season. And so I think, honestly, he's the type of guy where, like you said, he can be a first-round pick next year. He would have been a first-round pick this year if he was healthy. So if you look at it, it's the most upside of all the players available. What do you think, B. Kurt? Yeah, I would echo a lot of what Trev said there in regards to kind of this running back tier and how far do we want to push it? This is kind of our last point to decide, hey, do we want to go a hero RB build or are we pushing full zero? If we're pushing full zero, we're talking probably not till eighth, ninth, tenth round based on kind of what lines up with our draft slot. So I was into it because I don't think we need to do that and we don't need to necessarily assume that much risk with high quality players like Ramondre and Brees on the board. Um, so when I'm thinking about players in the same tier, this is kind of how my brain works. And I think Ramondre, Brees, and DK all kind of fit there. I'm considering risk versus potential. And I think the risk factors for Brees and Ramondre are pretty close. They both could potentially bring somebody in. Their workloads are maybe a little bit questionable. Obviously, Ramondre doesn't have the health concerns, but he has the Bill Belichick, I fumble once concerns. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's a similar risk profile, which then leads me to what's the potential profile. Now, a little bit of a wider confidence ellipses or whatever, however you want to think about it, a little bit of a wider range on Brees on the top and the bottom for potential. But when I'm playing basketball, I kind of, Imagine I'm going to lose all this money anyways. So if I lose every dollar, I'm completely fine with it. Um, that's just how I responsibly gamble. Like I'm not worried about it. So I'm 100% fine assuming that massive risk or that maybe slightly increased risk to get the increased potential. And that's I kind agree. of where I play, but yeah. I know other people play a little bit differently than that, which is cool too. But that's what leads me to Brees in this scenario over Ramondre. And, and just to, to echo everything you guys said, and in particular that kind of risk-reward mindset, it's also not the same at every single pick, right? Like in the 15th round, 
you may say, I'm going to take this boring quarterback who isn't, who doesn't have that wide range of outcomes. He'd make sense on this team. Maybe I need a quarterback or whatever. It's, you're, you're always balancing all of those things. But I think, like you said, let's think about this tournament. While it seems like, oh, it's easier advancements, right? You're only six people in round uh, two, you know, in week 15 and five teams in round uh, three in week 16 and even a small final with only 29 people. It is still one million of the two point six million dollar total prize pool goes to first place. I'm not that's not like the top five, top ten. First place gets one million out of two point six million. So even if even if this team makes the finals, that will be a success, of course. But. It's like you it's not like you're winning life-changing money just by making it to this 29 person final. You do still need to, you're we're going to have to hit on some things, some very outsized games. And when you compare Ramondre and Brees like you guys just did, all three of you just did. Ramondre is kind of this guy who I mean, he's a really good football player. I expect him to have a good season. I don't expect he's going to be some colossal bust. But I don't see any real paths outside of very, very something crazy happening uh, where he's like a first round pick next year, despite the fact that he's young and despite the fact that he's talented. It's just kind of I mean, look at this year, like you have to be Bijan Robinson to, to break into the first round. And even sometimes he falls to the second round. Right. It's, it, it's really hard as a running back to get up there. you got to be this special young player, probably on a special offense or whatever. Ramondre has, as, as Silas said, and as you guys have said, you have Bill Belichick just kind of uh, boomer risk. But you also have the fact that last year, tiny micro sample size, but uh, I believe John Daigle, our buddy John Daigle from 4 for 4 pointed out, in week one, it feels like Ramondre is this locked-in workhorse. It feels like that, and that very well may be end up how it, how it plays out. In week one, Ty Montgomery – handled 100% of the long, the third down, you know, typical third down, long down in distance, passing downs. Ramondre came off the field, and that is a huge portion of his value. Obviously, the goal line work feels pretty safe, but we also don't project this offense to be amazing. So, you know, we got to get to the goal line, and if he's not playing third downs and he's not catching a bunch of balls, it really starts to become thin. Now he's really a dead zone back, despite the fact that he's good, right? These are the issues that, that maybe Najee has that maybe Miles Sanders has, that that all those like dead zone-ish backs have. I'm not saying Ramondre has quite that level of risk, but it's very possible we show up to week one and the first third down, Ty Montgomery's in there, and you're like, fuck, I, I don't want to have taken Ramondre in the third round, right? Whereas Brees has some of that risk built in, but Brees has the, if he's fine, and assuming Rodgers isn't stone dust, like this is Aaron Jones on mega steroids, like and that's a fantasy superstar at 23 years old or whatever whatever he is. I also don't think, relative to you know third round running backs, the risk is the, the risk is just in the health. And I'm 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 okay, right? I, the risk in Najee is that he sucks and the volume's not there, right? And there's a lot of risk to a lot of early running backs. For Brees, it is strictly injury, right? And so that's a big risk. But I'm more willing to take that when the 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 hit is he's the 102 next year or the 101 next year. Like that's the hit. And I'm willing, I'm willing to, to do that. So we all kind of came together and we decided to take Brees. I also think it's interesting just in, again, in, in, especially in this tournament, pairing up Garrett Wilson with Brees. Uh, you don't have to take Rogers to benefit from, from that, but we, we've kind of made our bet that Rogers is going to elevate this offense as it is with a second round Garrett Wilson. Like I love Garrett Wilson, but my God, we're taking him in the beginning of the second round. He hasn't really proven that much just yet. So we've assumed Rogers is going to come in and, and it's going to be, you know, off and running with the jets. 
let's just compound that bet a little bit. We don't have to take any more Jets. We don't have to take Rodgers if we don't want to. But we've kind of made our fun little Jets bet, which leads us into um, I can pull up the draft board here in the fourth round. So we started, as you can see here, Tyreek Hill and Garrett Wilson. We all decided on Brees Hall after us at the 308 off the board goes Keenan Allen. DK Metcalf, interesting Keenan Allen going before Metcalf. Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf, then Ramondre, Jameer Gibbs, and Calvin Ridley to the person at the 3-4 turn. Then coming back in the fourth round, DeAndre Hopkins, Jerry Judy, and Amari Cooper. Before I start to pass it to you guys to kind of talk about who your favorite players are on the board here at the whatever the heck this is, the 406, uh, 405. Um I am. I just want to throw out, which I think B. Kurt said this in the our little Discord chat, that I am very happy that Amari Cooper went because uh, I'm not a very big fan of Amari Cooper, but certainly he would have made a lot of sense on this team with uh, multiple Jets and us targeting a wide receiver here. So I just want to say thank you to our buddy uh, Kreez Cries, uh, fellow Spike Weaker, who scooped up uh, Amari Cooper from us. But let's go. Uh, let's just go down the board here and start talking about uh, our, our fourth round pick. B. Kurt, what are you thinking? So my primary target on this one would be Debo. I think he has just a weekly upside that's unmatched compared to the other wide receivers that are hanging around guys like Kirk. Uh, Then after Kirk is kind of a step down to DeAndre Hopkins, which I think he might also have the weekly upside of Debo, but there is some more assumed risk when it comes to Kirk. I'm not interested in Burrow unstacked. I'm not interested in the running backs that are hanging out here with ETN or Najee. So to me, it really leans wide receiver. Or if we stepped out of our comfort zone, went on fields a touch early, pondering if we could get DJ Moore sliding around. But fields solo is fine with me too. But that is kind of a play that we could make if we want to go elite quarterback what do you think silas yeah so i, I think debo is definitely uh, the top wide receiver here if we decide to go there um as as bernie said like he has uh, an, a ceiling that's unmatched he could be used in the backfield i mean we, we really haven't seen the 49ers offense with mccaffrey um with Caffrey, debo and i can't even think of his name right now um, are you Kittle but Purdy at court with, with the, like, no, the, 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 the other run, the other running back? I can't even think Eli, of. Eli Mitchell, Eli Mitchell, Eli Mitchell. Yep. yeah. So we don't know how they're going to use that offense. Like, they might literally just use them interchangeably. Like, they could put uh Debo and in, in CMC and uh move out CMC and put Debo in the backfield. That, that's entirely a possibility. You know, you give Kyle Shanahan plenty of opportunities, so definitely has the highest ceiling. Um, the only other person I'd really be interested in, um, I mean, the the Fields thing is is definitely interesting. I would kind of be trying to push it off, uh, especially uh, quarterback with what we've already done. Um, it's Joe Mixon. Um, he just restructured his contract. I think he does have, you know, that really high ceiling for a running back. Um, he is a three down back. I mean, they brought in a rookie, but they, they got him in the sixth round. Like Chase Brown could be really good, but we have no idea if they're actually going to use him. Um, they, he did just restructure his contract, which means they're pretty much committed to him. Um, we've seen them use him in, in crazy ways. I mean, they did use Samaj P. Ryan quite a bit last year, um, but that offense is going to be really damn good. So, you know, high value touches out the in yang. Trev? Yeah, I also agree that Debo's the 
top wide receiver for me, but it's also the Niners offense is so weird. You never know what to expect. Um, so when you think about it, it's like, okay, well, how are, how are IU Kittle, CMC, how are they all paying off? Brock Purdy, is he playing? Are we getting Darnold? Are they going <laughs> to split like Trey Lance out wide at some point? Probably. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've just seen Debo, you know, I'm a Seahawks fan, but I can admit he's different, man. Like he, you get the ball in his hand. He's just different out there. The only other guy that I'm looking at is I'd be on ETN over Mixon, I think. Um, just we saw them, we saw Mixon be extremely inefficient, and it's a great offense, but I just whenever a running back's inefficient and then they get a year older, you know, time doesn't normally reverse. I think it'd be hard for him to – maybe he can get a couple more touchdowns in there, but I don't think he's going to be that great. And if P. Ryan was taking touches from him – Someone else probably can. It's not like Piran's a superstar out there. <clears throat> so I'd say Debo and ETN are my two guys right here, but I'm I'm open to the fields idea, especially because um, we don't have any sexy stacks waiting other than two or Rogers, but those are kind of middling. I think for me, if Debo were not here, um I might so let's say Amari fell and we'd be having this this uh, week seventeen. Don't tell the the latest Twitter arguers about week seventeen that we're, we would be talking about this, but we would be having that. Is Amari the best? Right? Is Amari the best wide receiver? We we do go down this like pecking order. Is Amari actually like the best pick here, or are we just taking him because of the correlation? What do we think about him versus the alternatives? And I think I would actually start to push a little bit more for Fields if it were just Amari there, because I think Amari is just, to me, another guy in this tier. And we know how quarterbacks can be in, on, on drafting sometimes. Maybe it will be different here in the 555. That being said, Jalen Hurts went second overall in, in this draft. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get my hopes up thinking that quarterbacks are going to slide. Debo, to me, however, uh, to, to kind of quote Trev, but in, in two different ways, is just different. He's built different to me. He's a different player here at this tier. I have every single concern. I don't want to say concern. Uh, the 49ers are a tough nut to crack. Uh, so like when I think about them from a season long projection, and when I think about them from like individual week, assuming everyone is healthy, you know, like I'm probably never going to play these dudes on DraftKings on a DFS slate because you tell me who it's going it, to. There's four or five, maybe five of them that it could bounce back and forth between. But I think when I'm really trying to like break ties and make decisions in these kind of wide open tiers, player talent and offensive talent and offense like the, the offense that he's on. It's it's hard to to match what Debo brings. The 49ers, we know what they can do on, on offense. They're one of the best, at least most talented offenses in the NFL. Maybe the most talented offense in the NFL. I think it might be, you know, outside of quarterback. Like, if you put a, like a, a real quarterback, I don't want to say Purdy isn't. Like, but if you would a big time, if Mahomes was on this team, we would be like, they're never fucking losing for five years. Like, they're not going to yeah. lose. There's that much talent. Debo is just, I think, one of the best offensive skill players in all of the NFL. A little feather in his cap. It's a very small sample. But when Purdy was the quarterback, he dominated targets as well. So not even counting on any of the running back gimmicky bullshit. He had a 30% target share. Shout out to Dwayne McFarland uh, from Fantasy Life. For, he, he posted that. Actually, wasn't particularly close. The next highest target share was 23% to Debo. And so it's just getting him in the fourth round. Um, 
it gives us outs to, you know, we don't, we don't have a quarterback. I'm not planning for late round quarterback in the, or the early fourth, but you just never know. Gives us outs to Purdy gives us a ton of flexibility. We wanted to go wide receiver here. And I think he's just not in a different tier, he, but he's almost a little like Metcalf where I don't really put Metcalf in Devonta Smith and T Higgins tier, but I also don't put him in the tier with these other guys. He's like his own little, like I might say, there's a, a tier after Devonta Smith and T where it's just DK, but then there's also another tier where it's just Debo. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then like, it's very strange where they're, they're just a little bit better than the guys that go right behind them. And so um, it's just too, it's really, really hard for me to pass on Debo unless one of you guys want to push uh, hard for somebody else. What do you think B Kurt? Uh, the, I'm very pro Debo here, but before we move along, somebody mentioned the quarterback going number two, can we take a peek at the draft board and just see if Good there's call. any funkiness with quarterbacks going on that we want to consider for any of these teams? Okay. That just looks purely normal to me. I mean, I mean, the two hole, I'm not quite yeah. sure, but like you know, we got one on each talk. team. Yeah. The four correct guys went in the first yeah. three rounds that, I mean, I'm fine moving forward with Debo. I just wanted to make sure that someone didn't double tap or something like that. Silas. Yeah. So I think it, it kind of goes to what you've been saying. DK and, and Debo are kind of in their own tier. And I honestly think it's like a better and best ball tier because we don't need them to be in our lineup every week, but we know their single cave ceilings are through the roof. Like mm-hmm. DK can catch four touchdowns and you wouldn't blink an eye. Debo could score two touchdowns and rush for a touchdown. And you would be like, yep, just Debo being Debo. Um, you know, he, he doesn't need to be, uh, you know, our, our staple in our lineup. That's what ideally Garrett Wilson and Tyreek Hill are, are pretty much there for. Um, but we can kind of use him to differentiate, kind of get a unique combo that could potentially propel us through the playoff weeks. Trap. Yeah. Uh, I, I totally agree with everything that was said, like Debo is just better better in best ball like he's gonna have those massive weeks and he's gonna do nothing some weeks there's so many weapons on the team but with Tyreek and Garrett Wilson just to start you know we're gonna be fine on those weeks and if it happens that we sneak into week 17 after he puts up two shitters it's looking good for us the Niners are a really good one for that too where it's like uh, uh I've talked about this probably with you guys uh with Kareen with other people where it's like a, a, I call it like a manufactured leverage. Like you can't plan out, right? Who's going to be high owned and low owned in week 17 because it's so dependent upon how the season plays out. And in particular, it's so dependent upon how week 15 and week 16 play out, which is like, <laughs> you tell me, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. We can't plan out those weeks far ahead. But the 49ers uh, and the Seahawks, to the DK Metcalf point as well, have to be some of the best candidates to be able to, to manufacture some leverage where it's like, take Debo, take Ayuk again later, you know, or take Eli Mitchell or something. And like, these guys are going to score fantasy points every week. That's just what the 49ers do. You just have no idea who it's going to be. And so um, Debo is and CMC are the leading candidates. And obviously Kittle, because he's a tight end, is really valuable. But like, if you told me, like you said, Debo threw up two clunkers in week 15 and week 16 and then popped off for 40 in week 17, would I be not in the least just to back up both of those guys, actually, because I do think DK Metcalf and and Debo are particularly interesting. DK Metcalf led all of the NFL, the entire NFL in end zone targets last year by like a lot. He had 20 
three end zone targets last year. It's a, that's a truly absurd number. Second was 18, right? And so you, people talk about like Deontay Johnson running bad. DK Metcalf ran bad, and he still had a good season. Imagine, right, their offense is better with JSN and Zach Charbonnet and another year of Geno, but those other guys aren't red zone end zone target dominators like DK Metcalf could catch 20 touchdowns on the flip side Debo Samuel only played 13 games last year he was sixth in all of, of all wide receivers in yak you know you don't really want to judge yak by uh with running backs involved but that being said Christian McCaffrey was second and in, in, in yak so the 49ers are producing these big plays for this on a per game basis Debo was number one amongst all wide receivers so you know what you're getting Right. You're getting efficiency. You're getting tons of scoring opportunities and tons of big play opportunities. And like in best ball, like you said, better in best ball, like Keenan Keenan Allen versus Debo Samuel. Like give me Debo Samuel all day, every day, because, yeah, Keenan Allen's going to score double digit points like every week. Like that's that's great. But I can get double digit points from my wide receiver six and my wide receiver seven and my wide receiver eight. But I can't get. uh 10 catches for 160 and three touchdowns. And that's what that's that's what those guys bring. Um, it's kind of the breeze thing, but at wide receiver, give me that nuclear upside and let's let's move on to the next. Anything else uh, before we wrap her up here and uh, move on to uh, hopefully a, a, an even more fun? Honestly, getting Tyreek at 108, then getting Garrett Wilson and Debo still being around here in the early fourth. I know we took Brees. So I was really happy with Brees, but I think we could have taken really anyone there in the third round. This start has been outstanding. You can't ask for much better. So, uh, Trev, how are, how are you feeling? And was there anything else you wanted to add on the Debo pick? No, I just it's times like this where I just love DraftKings. It's amazing, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like you don't you don't see this on Underdog. No, no, sir, you do not. You, <laughs> you do not see. You could never. I don't think you could get this combination of players on underdog. Like you'd have to try a million times and get really, really lucky. Silas. Yeah, I think this this draft and what we've done the first four picks kind of outlines how different it is from the bulldog, right? Like we were playing, don't screw it up. Whereas now, like we're shooting for upside because literally all the money is in the last week and we need to get there, right? It's not. If it's not as easy, we don't advance as easily. So. You know, shoot for upside. Um, it, it, it's been fun to discuss, you know, how different uh, of a draft this has been. Yeah, 100%. B, Kurt? Uh, Eric, I think that leverage point you made with the 49ers, just trying to have that natural leverage is really interesting and something I hadn't even thought through yet this year. Um, like we, I actually kind of even saw that play out with the 49ers last year where Kittle went off in 15, Kittle went off in 16, and then in week 17, I just looked, he was 28% owned in the final I was in and put up 12 points, even though the 49ers had 37 points as a team, <laughs> which like, could we get the same thing again, please? I mean, we asking for it twice is kind of something, but there is kind of that natural leverage implied there. And I think that was a really good point. And like I said, there's not a lot of places that you can do that with right? Like it, it doesn't exist in all offenses is generally a little bit of the better offenses, mm-hmm. but also the ambiguous offenses like good and ambiguous is actually a good thing in best ball. Whereas like, dude, if we were just doing typical like season long or whatever, like, I, I don't know my home leagues, I might not take Debo you because I don't really feel that comfortable about, you know, a third round pick on him and slotting him into my starting lineup every week. I mean, I don't feel bad, but like relative to, <clears throat> 
you know, a, a typical season long league, like it, it, it is tough with some of these, right? Certainly the Seahawks, like you feel good about DK Metcalf, but like he could have a great year and you could get your ass kicked in your home league because he only does it three or four times and you lose the, he's a third round pick. You lose the rest of those, those weeks. Whereas in this, we get to take 20 freaking guys and it's full point PPR. This is probably all of our better, you know, uh, best skill set format. So I think we're going to be able to, to, you know, if we need to move things around and find some later guys to fit some things, if we decide, you know, in double digit rounds, we need some help at the beginning. Certainly this draft will still be going on, uh, you know, when uh, we might get some more Jets news, some more Brees news and those kinds of things. If we if we need to pivot and right, get a Samaj AP Ryan on this team or whatever to help us out early on, we can absolutely do that. But I think um, like Silas says, swing like the great thing about this is we've swung for home runs. And it wasn't like doing anything. I mean, I don't think anyone pick 41 Debo Samuel is like, a, uh, you know, a, a risky or crazy pick. He was a second round pick last season and he's been going yeah, higher we, than we this. swung for the fences and took the guy at the top of the queue every single time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's nice. That's pretty Thank nice. You, trips that, yeah. Shout out. Shout out to DraftKings um, for that one. But quick, quick recap on our team again through four rounds. We started at the 108 and we took Tyree Kill. Uh, thank God. What a beautiful gift that was. I still, every time I say it out loud, it feels better. The 108 Tyree kill. And then we took Garrett Wilson in the second round, came back today on this video and took Brees Hall in the third round and Debo Samuel in the fourth round. My God, what a wonderful start. Now you just feel this sweat of every couple of days getting back onto the clock and hoping you don't screw it up here after because the start has been really good. But uh, we're going to get out of here. We'll be back in, again, uh, a day, two days, somewhere around every couple of days, trying to make uh, a new video for every two picks again. So rounds five and round six should be coming sometime early next week. We'll see you guys in just a couple of days. Peace. Those were some spicy takes. Want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at Spike Week? Why don't you press that subscribe button below? You turn notifications on, we draft a team, boom, you know about it. We have another spicy take, boom, you know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date? That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week. Spike Week.